here's the thing. Um, we started a new year, and, and for some of us, we, we can't but help look back at the last year um, and, and the things that we didn't get done, um, the things that we failed in or the things that, that we, we thought we could have done better. Um, I personally don't make any New Year's resolutions. One, because I've never kept any. But I just think they're kind of silly because keeping them all year long is, is so difficult. Um, but the thing is, we do have dreams and we do have things that we want to do and, and, and to see God do in us and to accomplish in our lives. And I'm not talking about the dropping a few pounds or watching less TV. We've, we've hit on that quite a bit before, but I'm talking about doing something that would change the world, at least your world, and not in a selfish way, but in, with the people around you. I mean, do you ever, do you ever have those dreams, these, these dreams of, I want to see something happen and, and be used in something that God does in me affects someone else. And Think about this. What if you could save just one life? One life. You could pull somebody off of the street or um, somebody struggling with addiction. You could be that, that person, that family that adopts that child pulls them out of a foster home. I heard it said recently that if your dreams don't scare you, then they're probably boring to God. I don't know if that's true. I think it's a pretty cool thought. And this year, I want our church to make every day count. And I don't want us to I don't want us to believe we can make a difference. I want us to make a difference. You know what I'm saying? I, I want us, with our hands and our feet, to do something. Wherever God tells us to go, we go. And we've seen glimmers of this, and we, we've seen exciting things happen, like the well last year. I mean, that's, for a church our size, that's incredible. That's nuts. And we got to see the pictures and, and like I said, the thatch house and the, and the chickens and these little kids running around with clean, fresh water. That's incredible. And so this year, I want us to start every day with a simple prayer. I want us to start every day and say, God, use me. God, use us simple prayer, but just think about the world around us if we all prayed that. What would happen? What would God do? What, what would happen in the hearts of the people around us? Um, think about how your world would be changed, and, and this year I'm convinced will be different. I, I know that some of us look at our church, and we look at finances or, or the things that go on, and we, we look at a black hole. 
I look at our church and I see God wanting to do some incredible stuff here. Just, just to give you an idea, we had no money for December. My family. Three people anonymously gave us money that supported us through the month of December. So you cannot tell me God does not want to do something here. You cannot tell me that that we should stare into this abyss. We need to look at our Savior and our Lord and say, He wants to do something. God, what is it? God, use us. So I want us to do something for ourselves today. In your program, go ahead and pull that out. In your program... I want us to take a moment. And what what I hope this accomplishes is I hope that it helps us to see our relationship with God in in kind of a different light. But I want us to take a few minutes to write down the areas of your life that you trust God completely. And then I want you to write down the areas of your life that you do not trust God. We're not going to pass these around here, okay? It's not like, hey, what you got, Cliff? You know, nothing like that. But listen, I want, on the stuff that you don't trust God with, I don't want you to write down just the big stuff, but everything you can think of. Yeah, I trust God with my finances, but I don't trust Him with the groceries or with this aspect of the finance. I trust God with my my marriage, but this little part here, that one's mine. Write all this down. Listen, um, I don't want you to just write the inconsequential things down. I want you to write down the things that'll hurt when you write it down. Um, and this isn't a job interview, okay? This isn't write down your faults as your positives, right? What's your greatest weakness? Well, I'm a overworker. What is that word? I'm a workaholic, right? This isn't that. This is you being honest with God right now. So let's go ahead and, and take a few moments and, uh, and fill this out and we'll get to the last part uh, at the end of the message.
Father, as we look into your word now, I pray that you reveal to us what it means to trust you. Just one aspect today, how we can trust, how we can love, Father, how we can let go of the control that we think we have and move into deeper relationship of faith with you, trust with you. So God, tonight, speak to our hearts through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I want to look at a couple of, couple of paragraphs real quick. Um... Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and he just gets done healing a man with leprosy. And in verse 5, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. Now that's, that's pretty good. Jesus is going to come, he's going to heal but the centurion, and you can almost see the centurion stopping Jesus, just putting his hands on his chest going, no. And the centurion says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now here's what the centurion knew. He knew by example, by the fact that he had guys under him that he told what to do. He knew by example and could see this example in Jesus that Jesus had an authority over him. He knew by by just seeing Jesus and knowing Jesus that he had something higher, greater, more powerful than his situation. And and so Jesus is dumbfounded by this. And he's he's amazed. I've not seen this before. This is incredible. And he's almost saying, guys, look at this. This is, what, this is what I'm talking about right here. See, the centurion knew 
and understood who Jesus was. He understood the authority that was over him. Now jump down to verse 23. Jesus and the disciples are in a boat. It says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, just think about that. you got all these waves, you got this storm. Jesus is asleep. That's how much peace and trust that he has in his heavenly father but the disciples just don't get it the disciples went and woke him saying lord save us we're going to drown and he replied you of little faith why are you so afraid then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm see the disciples had the the view that most people had in their day that one day there was going to be a Messiah. One day this guy was going to raise up a military or, or something was going to happen. He was going to overthrow the Roman government. And so this is their view, this narrow view of who Jesus is. And they don't look at Jesus under authority. They look at Jesus as the authority. Now, for our hindsight, we understand, yes, he is the authority. But they don't understand Jesus at that time is under the authority of his heavenly father. And so we have a contrast here with the centurion who Jesus says, man, you got some incredible faith. And then his own disciples, his best friends, he looks at him and he says, man, you guys, you're stinkers. Y'all got no faith. Where's you? You're little, so tiny. What? They did not understand Jesus for who he really was. See, faith which is trust. When you read faith, you can put our word trust because our word faith is like our heritage. You know, I'm from a Catholic faith or I'm from a, you know, Baptist faith or whatever. That's the way our culture uses faith. But faith or trust involves correct understanding of Jesus. It involves correct understanding of Jesus. It is trusting not Jesus as a good man, but Jesus and the authority behind him, his heavenly father. Trust is understanding that there is someone higher and greater and more powerful than you. And Jesus understood this. And the centurion understood this. The disciples did not understand this. And we, like the disciples, so often don't embrace this don't truly understand this a lot of times. But you reveal and I reveal who I really value and worship and trust through my actions, through who I believe is my authority. So every year at this time, we ask, God, what is it that you're going to do this year? And every year we say the same thing. We have no idea. In the specifics anyway, right? We, we just don't know. But the things we do know, we do know what he wants us to do. We, he wants us to help people start and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know that. Um, for our church, there could be times of prosperity ahead or we could have some serious trials ahead. 
This could be a year where no one begins a relationship with Jesus. This could be a year where only one little six-year-old girl is baptized. This could be a year where she is the only one who is courageous enough to proclaim Him as her Lord and Savior and be willing to follow Him and take that first step of obedience and baptism. Or there could be an incredible number of people who come to Jesus. There could be, I mean, all of a sudden things happen and, and God's just working and moving and, and we're just being obedient and, and people are coming to Christ left and right. There could be thousands of people who are baptized. There could be life change after life change after life change with the people that we come in contact with because we're praying for them so much. But honestly, whether there's feast or famine in our church, whether, whether things are going incredibly well or we just feel like they're not going well at all, at least by the world's standards, we will still do the same thing. We will be faithful. We will be faithful. We, through our actions and our lives, will trust God, we will trust His Word, and we will trust His Holy Spirit. Faith is one of the most talked about topics in, in all of Scripture. It umbrellas um, all the practical things, all the theological things that, that Jesus talks about, that, that Paul talks about. Trusting our Heavenly Father is the primary theological understanding that we have to have. We are not the people, we are not the ones who change hearts. That's between the individual and Jesus. But God uses us to be involved in that process. We are not the ones who make the decisions of surrender. That's the individual responding to the Holy Spirit in their lives. Our responsibility is to be faithful and take action on that quiet little voice that we hear in our hearts. The one that so often we fight. What would happen if we just had no worries and just abandoned that little pushback and we just did everything the Holy Spirit put in our hearts and our minds? How crazy would that be? Our responsibility is to be God's ambassadors and representatives of Him to others. Now, personal success in the eyes of God is not how many people we have saved, because we've not saved anybody. It is whether we have talked about Jesus with those people. That he wants to save. Personal success in the eyes of God is not reading the Bible. It's not a duty. It is reading and learning about Jesus and his character and understanding him as, for who he is. Corporate success in the eyes of God is not becoming a huge church. That's, that's a kind of a worldly thing. It's being obedient to his call as his church. It is taking this up, reading it, and doing it. 
whether there's two of us or whether there's 2,000 of us. Personal and corporate success in the eyes of God is being faithful. The definition of success in the eyes of God is being faithful to Him and trusting Him in that faithfulness. That's God's definition of success. Obedience and trust. Being faithful. So over the next year, we're going to talk about trusting Jesus and working on these things. Um, we're going to talk about quite a few things. We're going to talk about faith a lot. We're going to continue talking about uh, and going through Romans, and maybe we'll finish it up this year. <laughs> maybe. But we're also going to work on some deep aspects of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Some doctrinal things, right? But we'll never go over the head of somebody who's investigating Christ or, or that new believer. All right, so, so we're going to try to keep that balance as best we can. But we're going to take a fresh look at the doctrines of old. And Here's the thing. This is my heart as your pastor. I don't want us to come to Jesus one day, and he tells us that we had little faith. I don't want Jesus to walk through these doors and stand here and say, guys, your faith has to be bigger. I want us to see our faith in him grow. I want him to look us dead in the eyes and say the same thing he said to the centurion. All of New Orleans, I have not found a church with people of such great faith who trusted me so much. So I know we're late today. But before we move into communion, um, I want to I wanna give you an opportunity to do some homework. You wrote down where you don't trust God. Um... And here's what I want you to do. I want you to assign someone in your life to help stretch you and grow you in that area. If you're married, uh, it probably should be your spouse or um, at least a very best friend of, of the same sex. If you're not married, if you're single, make it somebody you really trust. And I want you to give this program to that person. I want you to say, these are the things that I just am having trouble trusting God with. And I need you to help me. And maybe, maybe the reason that you've not confronted the issues, like I haven't confronted some issues head on, is, is because no one else knows. Maybe it's, it's because no one has helped you to be accountable to God with it. Maybe no one's encouraged you. Maybe no one's pushed you and... And, and strengthened you in that area, challenged you to stretch you in trusting God. And I don't want us to go a little bit further in that trust. I want to challenge us to go a mile, a marathon. I want us to go a lot further in trusting God. I want to see in our church when things happen and we're like, that's crazy. That's, no, that, that is, that's not right, and we just do it anyway, and we see God do some incredible things here. 
I want you to put someone in your life who will do that to help you grow in trusting God today. Don't wait till tomorrow. If they're not here, make a phone call. Say, I got this program, I want to give it to you. I want us to better understand that Jesus and our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit are our authority over us, over our lives, over our marriages, over our homes, over our futures, and that we can trust Him in every aspect, including these things here. May God say to us, to you, you have great faith. You have incredible trust in me. Father, I pray, I pray this morning that you will grow our trust, that you will build our trust up. Stretch us, God. Make us, make us not the people that we are right now. May we look back on our lives, even if we feel we have great faith now, may we look back and think, I had little faith. Because of so, how far we've come, when you take us on this journey, Father, stretch us, challenge us, grow our trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.